If you liked Avengers Endgame or Doctor Who, The Husbands of River Song, then you'll love to do the time worm again. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and fixing things and ruining things in the past. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are talking about Hilda on Netflix, specifically episode two, no, episode eight of season two of Hilda called The 50-Year Night. Also known as Chapter 8. This, I feel like this episode tells you right away how crazy it's going to get. Because Hilda often starts in the very benign, like, fun, exploratory, like, I'm taking a walk in the woods kind of spirit of things. Mm. And this one starts, like, the exact opposite. Like, you're grounded. Stay inside. Like, okay, guess today will be boring. And then you just get like the glimpse of another Hilda running on the street with a <laughs> giant worm monster behind her. And it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those episodes. I see. We're already <laughs> at like an 11, so how are we going to get to like a 15 by the end of this? <laughs> I just, I I adore Hilda um, as a character and as a show. I just adore it so much. Um, yeah. Everyone in my family adores it. We're all in on Hilda. We own all the graphic novels. Um, Jack, our son just got our, for Christmas, got like all the young adult novelizations of them. And we, we're reading two. We're like double fisting Hilda books, you know, right now, just reading everything we can. Um, but it's, what I, what I love about it is, I mean, we've talked about Hilda a couple seasons ago. I don't know. I can't remember when we first discovered Hilda. I mean, right when it came out, we knew it was something special. But here's here's a fantasy series with really grounded, lovable, I mean, grounded in more ways than one in this episode, but really <laughs> grounded um, characters who are kind and sweet and authentic and resilient and interesting and a magical world that feels dangerous and awesome and awe-inspiring and just whimsy in a way that you don't normally get. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it feels like our world, but it doesn't feel like our world. It's like the humans feel right and the mystical characters are all really interesting and have their own character things. They're not monsters. They have their own personalities and needs and rules. And it just, I think I don't, I don't know for me, part of what's so grounded about it is that the characters act their age. Like they're so real in this fantasy world. Like the, the young kids are young kids and they Mm. behave like it. Um, I think the show isn't afraid to, push that narrative to make you aware of that. And partly I love this episode because it came at just the right point in the season where there's a few episodes in a row of like, I'm getting real sick of Hilda and her misbehaving. <laughs> mm. And like, you're grounded. Like, oh, thank gosh, she's finally grounded. <laughs> well, I mean, the... So to bring people up to speed, if you have not seen Hilda, um, please... Please do yourself a favor and go watch season one and season two up until and including, I suppose I should say, episode eight of season two of Hilda, at least to listen to this episode, because we were going to be breaking it down and going through and spoiling every single pretty much story beat of this episode to see how it functions and how it works and why it's so amazing and awesome. But. For people who haven't seen Hilda and still want to listen to this because you're interested and you don't have time, I don't, just, anyway. Hilda is a young girl who used to live in the woods with her mom on their own in a cabin. Long story short, a giant crashes 
smashes her home and they move to the city of Trollberg. And the city of Trollberg is surrounded by a giant wall to keep trolls out of the city. And in theory, many other magical things that exist in this world. Spoilers, the magic isn't just in the world of, you know, it's not, it doesn't exist in Hilda. It doesn't exist just out in the forest. It is everywhere in this world. And even in the city uh, of Trollberg, there is, there are mysterious things and interesting things and magic and witches and giant birds um, that have parades and peop- uh, clouds that control the weather, weather spirits. And it's just an interesting, whimsical, delicious, full world. Oh, and elves that you can't see unless you sign their contracts because they're very contract-based. It's just, it's just so full of interesting rules and... and Oh, I don't know. It's just so fun. And it and it looks beautiful too. Oh yeah, like the they make the the five color palette really work for them. Yeah. Like I don't even second guess like the colors of it. It's just somehow it's muted but vibrant. Mm-hmm. It just if you feel good looking at it, you're just like, "Oh, I feel comfortable." Yeah, I'd agree. It's it's very it's comfort watching. It's like if they made one of those like two hour Yule log videos of just like Hilda and the Woodman drinking their awful like mud cocoa, I would watch it. Like it's just fun to look at, even without the actual story of it being a show. I didn't know I wanted that until you said that. I didn't. I didn't know that I wanted that in my life. I'm here, Netflix. Do, my DMs are open. Oh, that would be awesome. And did you just have records that the Woodman would change every now and again, mm-hmm. and just be playing like his music, his jazz, and his, and you just hear the crackle of the. F- oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I look. I look forward to ten months from now when I could watch this Hilda Hilda log. On Netflix for four hours at a time. (laughs) Hop to it. (laughs) Anyway, that's our quick look at Hilda, um, the world of Hilda. This particular episode, as you were saying, Mackenzie, what you need to know to get into it is in her exploration throughout the city, Hilda's been uh, not as truthful as she should be with her mother and going out, doing her own thing, causing trouble and lying, which is the big thing, like lying about what she's doing and where she's going. And all her mom wants is for Hilda to be honest with her and tell her the truth. Because they used to have a relationship based on trust when they lived out in the woods. And Hilda would just go off in the woods and sketch for an entire day. And the mom would not really mind like whatever i know there are trolls out there and water spirits and other things that could kill you but go out with your sketchbook and enjoy you know enjoy life and now when they're in the city somehow things feel a little bit more dangerous and there's like this influence from other kids and other things and who is who is she even talking to and what is she doing is she going to school who knows but Mm-hmm. At the start of this, um, there is a fight between Hilda and her mom, like saying, you're grounded. You need to stay in the house for this day. And you're going to learn that actions have consequences. The consequence being you stay in your room all day. And of course, <clears throat> this this being Hilda... Um, she can't learn a lesson in any easy way or the most direct way. So how do we make Hilda learn this lesson the way that she needs to learn it? That's a good way of putting that. Yeah. She doesn't put things together in in that in the simple way. She's a very a strong-willed child who 
sees things the way they need to be and does everything in her power to make them be that way. Mm. So I think when when she thinks she's doing right, um, it can't possibly be wrong. So how do we make her do something so wrong that she sees from outside of herself, herself doing that wrong? I guess that's true because she does feel like this has been an injustice thing for her. Like her mom is being unjust in this punishment. Yeah. Like you don't know that I have been saving the city and I've been doing good everywhere else. And now you've just punished me for that. Yeah. And you've punished me for being a good person to everybody just because you think that grounding me is what a mother should be doing. I think she says something very close to that, which you're just doing this because you figure that's what a mom should do is ground their kid. Mm -hmm. Which is, it's a nice venomous moment Mm. of like Hilda both showing her maturity and awareness, but also like how petulant she can be as a young child still. And I Mm -hmm. like that's thrown back at her by the end of the episode. Yes. I I do appreciate this. I do appreciate that they go real on both of the characters. Like neither of them get shortchanged Mm -hmm. on this. Um, The mom is still just as strong, but also has enough, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later, has enough of a reaction too, where as a parent of a, of an eight-year-old who um, gets into trouble, like of knowing, like, did I make the right decision? Like, have <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> you know, like, am I doing this? <laughs> Why is this so hard? Um, and we all have our answers. Whether you live in a magical world filled with dangerous viruses or a magical world filled with dangerous worms. So, um, whew. So let's let's go through and get this beat by beat. And I mean, in the end, the fifty-year night. When we when we look at that, does this tell us that it's going to be time travel in the title? I think it does, especially coming from the the cultural oeuvre of time travel over the past four or five years. I think mm-hmm. we're starting to look for like. What's going to be time travel? And I don't think it hides it very long either, as I already have kind of alluded to with the multiple Hildas within like one minute of the episode being on. Right. Right. You start to wonder. It it builds the mystery of how are we going to get to that and ups the ante immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is good that it shows you that it's going to get there because if we didn't have that, I think in two, I think two things. One, it wouldn't let you know that it's time travel. Um, and two, the story gets small, intimate, and mature more than any other of the Hilda episodes, I feel. Hmm. Um, especially in the type of story that it's telling. Because it's not... It, in, in some ways, it's an adventure for Hilda, but it's not an adventure about Hilda. Like the main drama isn't like, it's her decisions cause the issue, dramatic issue of the overarching plot, but what she influences and what she gets into is not her story, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think a lot of the other plots of season two involve Hilda at the outset, or she's either the catalyst for that affecting everyone else or the catalyst of the problem as a whole. Um, And this one, like the problem is existing without her and it is a problem. It's not sustainable on its own, but it's not really healthy either. That's going down, but she makes it worse. Mm. So what, what is the problem? What do we learn is the problem going on? 
Well, she's nosy and notices that her neighbor that we've kind of seen all season, Mr. Ostenfeld, kind of like disappears into nothingness. And it's kind of she wants to go investigate. And I think that in lockdown, we can all relate to being really emotionally invested in our neighbors. So I don't fault her. (laughs) I don't know the names of any of them, but I, I certainly I know their cats. I know their dogs. I know their babies. Uh, <laughs> that happens. Uh, so she wants to investigate what's going on with her neighbor. And she has a literal angel on her shoulder in <laughs> the elf telling her Alpha. what she, Alpha telling her what she should and shouldn't do. Um, which she kind of bargains and disregards her way into, uh, following Mr. Ostenfeld into what appears to be the past and, uh, follows, seven Mr. Austinfelds um, to Ooh. some kind of club. So you kind of, it. it's not like a Groundhog's Day story where you start small and build big. It kind of puts you in the middle of the Groundhog's Day story already. Mm. Where there's already seven Mr. Austinfelds and this is a problem they're aware of. They're just kind of ignoring like, yeah, we're all brothers. We're going to the club. Totally fine. I, I, I do love that, that, the stakes are already so raised immediately in this. Um, I do love that there's a way for... You get to see how smart Hilda is to get around everything because she wants to leave to go investigate, as you said, and then Alfred was like, no, you can't. And she's like, well, you're not going to tell my mom. He's like, no, she made me sign a pledge to tell you if you left the building. And she's like, well, what if I don't leave the building? What if I just go downstairs? It's like, hmm, <laughs> well, fine, you got me there. Like, as long as you don't leave the building, it'll be okay. Um, and the catalyst, the thing that gets her into it is a package of old magazines that are 50 years old. She opens the magazine and she's zapped back to her same spot, her lobby of her building, um, where they think originally that it's been renovated, but now they realize, no, it's in the past. Everything is old. And she leaves the building, and Alpha says, you can't leave the building, and you're still grounded. And Hilda says, no, I'm not, because it's not that day anymore. <laughs> it's not the day that I'm grounded, so I can leave the house now. It's very child bargaining, like, I think we've all heard that from a child at some point. And like, you are technically correct, but not spiritually correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you are really good at loopholes. (laughs) It's like, fine. Like, if we're going to do this, I'm going to make a time travel chart, which is the best thing that Alpha could do is like, let me just start making this. Um, And I, and then she hides and sees, as you said, the seven Mr. Ostenfelds heading off to this, this dance club. And I called it, like, in my notes, I called it the parade of inaction. Like, <laughs> you're just seven guys doing the same thing over and over and over, not making any change. So if the lesson that we're out to learn is that you have to learn that actions have consequences, well, is this a conse- this is a consequence of inaction. There are seven of you in the same place in the same time. I mean, yes and no, because like hmm. the con, it's unhealthy to obsess, and it's a consequence of inaction for Mister Ostenfeld. But like the rest of the world would have kept on existing just fine, <laughs> literally, um, if he continued to do this inaction for the rest of his life. It's just a problem for him, and it's really Hilda that like mucks everything up because she believes that there must be action. And it comes from a good place of wanting to help him mm. and get out of this inaction. But also, like, she doesn't see beyond the scope of what they're already doing. Hmm. So she she breaks in to this jazz club because she can't get in through the front door. So she breaks in through a window. As a child, well, she'll be able to get in. <laughs> <laughs> she gets into the dance club and watches and sees... Mr. Ostenfelds, all seven of them, 
um, sitting at two different tables and watching this young man at the bar. And she sees this young man and this young woman walks up and they notice each other and they have a moment. And we don't get to hear any of their dialogue at all. We just hear the beautiful jazz music. Listen to this episode with headphones. It's so much better. <laughs> Listen to it with headphones. I would, I would invite you to. Um, the sound is remarkable. And, and they go off and they share a couple of dances together. And Hilda's like, it's, it's obvious these two people should be together. Um, and then we see some more uh, another scene uh, where the young man and the young woman say goodbye. And all seven Mr. Ossenfelds have the same reaction, like disappointed. And I think um, Hilda says like, oh, Mr. Ossenfeld didn't like that. <laughs> I think something like that. Um, and we start to see that this is the problem. This is something in that moment is wrong and is causing everything. And he'll... I mean, from her outsider perspective, yeah. Mm. Again, I'd argue it's just... It's just unhealthy and bad for him, yeah. But... It's not causing anything wrong. Like, torture's not wrong, Mackenzie? Well, Hilda wants to help people, so she sees an opportunity to help a person people <laughs> and she can't say no to that but she she doesn't understand the best way to help him she kind of just dives headfirst into making change and doing action mm. so we get seven mr ostenfeld's chasing hilda um, trying to trap her, um, she gets pulled into his apartment in the in the present time. <laughs> we go back to original time frame using the magazine that sends her back. And Mr. Ostenfeld tells her that that was me. I let the moment pass. Um, I never even got to know her name. And then we get Hilda. Being Hilda, um, <laughs> making her making her Hilda decision and saying, you know, have you ever tried to change things? It's like, no, it's the past. Like, you, no. And she says, well, if you won't, I will. Great. Thanks, Hilda. You think you're so much better than everyone else. <laughs> and now she, she grabs another of the magic magazines and goes back to the past sees her runs past all seven Mr. Austin Felds a new Mr. Austin Feld says get after her that you know stop that girl they run after her she ends up there and he she tells the young Mr. Austin Feld to follow the young girl and ask her out like you're going to regret it the rest of your life you need to do this you need to go. You won't get another chance. And at some point during this, R. Hilda helpfully loses her hat, I think before she goes mm. back in time or something. So that when we are getting, although the Mr. Ostenfelds are all one kind of blobular obstacle, when we start getting a second Hilda, you can tell the difference between our Hildas. Because you have past it's Hilda a- with her hat and scarf, and then current Hilda with just her scarf, she's lost her hat. It's super helpful. And it's so it's such a small, easy thing. Because she loses it when he grabs her and pulls her into the apartment and the hat falls off. It's such a small, necessary detail whenever you're in time travel to know who the original one was, who is the original version of this character and track that and not all of us are elves <laughs> to be able to create our own time travel charts mm-hmm. 
which I just love that. Well, I better, I better update my chart. Like, like this is, this is crazy. There's us again. So yeah. I better, we better figure this out. I feel like that's a gift reaction for every time travel story for now until the end of history. Yeah, I should, I should get that. I should. Every should Marvel cliffhanger. Ready. Guess I better update my chart. <laughs> oh man. So. Then, then we see, who do we get? We, we get to the, we immediately get a rumble at the, at the jazz club. And we get this, we get the time worm. We don't know what this worm is. I'm sorry if I ruined it for you, but we get, we get this giant worm beast that eats through a hole um, in mystical space and leaps out and starts attacking. Um, we're not sure exactly what it's doing. We just know that it's hungry and it eats, it eats the Hilda with the hat on. So we know that original Hilda is safe but then that first hilda like gets chomped by this worm and i kind of like the worm idea as like a physical manifestation of paradoxes working themselves out it's like okay here's a monster that eats past hilda so we know current hilda keeps her memories and the past has happened but we're also trying to like fix it at the same time <laughs> mm. What does it add? This is a question that I have. What more does it add that it's a beast that fixes time and not just time fixing itself? I think it adds more, more clarity to the rules of the world because time travel always get like any time travel story, there's questions afterward. Like how did this work? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it also adds a bit of a ticking clock because you know that every time there's some kind of paradoxical thing that the worm is going to come. So there's a nice ticking clock element, a physical manifestation that drives the plot forward uh, rather than just time problems and needing to explain rules to the audience to understand how this show is doing time travel this time. Hmm. If we just do the science, we can make all these time travel shows accurate. But we don't. So, but it also makes sense in the world of Hilda that it would be an animal-based thing, you know, that fixes time. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it would be a beast of some kind. But it, I mean, also for younger audiences, it makes sense that here's its big dangerous consequence to having made a, well, you woke that beast. <laughs> and I especially like that it doesn't have a face. So unlike all the other creatures that Hilda can befriend, no matter how removed from human they are, like the Kraken things, um, mm. they still have eyes and mouths and you can relate to them and imprint on them. And this one is just a weird worm with three holes on one end. Yeah, and not one of them is essentially the mouth, but... <laughs> And it doesn't sit up like a face would normally look at somebody. It just is seeking out paradoxes. Mm -hmm. And then we get a third Hilda who's lost her scarf and has her sleeves rolled up. So we, we get another physical difference. I'm you from the future. Um, and as she... I'm trying to make sure you don't get eaten, she says, or I'm trying to avoid that we don't get eaten. And we end up seeing, as the time worm is chasing after Hilda and the Ostenfelds, we see a couple of Ostenfelds get eaten um, throughout <laughs> this sequence. I mean, there, there are like eight of them at this point to, to get eaten. But we get to see... In all the holes that are being left behind, we get to see ghosts of a past between the young Mr. Ostenfeld and the young woman. 
um, the, and having a life together. We get to see them in different parts of, I think at some point they're a little older and they, they're just enjoying dancing and time together and eating and meals. And It's a nice slow reveal that, of course, this other person has aged like Mr. Ostenfeld and that this is a person that we know as someone else from the rest of the show already. And, and it's lovely and subtle too. I, I love that it's it's operating on two things. It's a chase scene and it's a realization of a life that's ongoing. Um and done beautifully through color and sound and dangerous worm chasing folks around. Um future Hilda gets eaten at some point. So now Hilda's witnessed her death twice. Um, but we're still with original Hilda at this point, right? Yes. Yes. Depends on you define original Hilda. But the Hilda whose narrative we've been following. Yeah. And <laughs> so she, we end up in a time chase through the different portals trying to get figured out. And then Hilda comes back to the present. Well, she comes back at the moment that her mom is crying in the car, right before she the original image of the time worm chasing her. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we end up. So she gets to witness the actual consequences, the actual real, for real consequences of her actions, which is what her actions in the previous seven episodes have done to her mom emotionally. Like, that's the consequence. It's not necessarily the consequence of, I did something bad, I got grounded. It's my actions have been hurting my mom for seven episodes of this this season. And there are just a few episodes left, and I should probably fix this <laughs> before we wrap up season two. Mm-hmm. Little things. Little things. And it's just such a beautiful little moment, too. Like, it's, it gets you. Like, my son has seen me cry and seen the consequences of his, his actions. Um, like, we've, we've all been in, in that moment of, like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I'm just trying to do what's best, and I just want things to go right. But I'll, be, I'll, I'll fix it later. Um, and then the mom drives away, the time worm chases Hilda and Hilda ends up at Tilda's house, Tildy's house. Um, Tildy, the witch that we met earlier in the season, who has, who was the young woman and bewitched all the magazines to help get the young man whose name she never learned back to her to ask for one more moment together. And I like that she's also aware of the consequences of her own actions and like admits like I was young and didn't know any better and went a little too far. Mm. I, I do also like that we have somebody who understands magic because she stops the time worm (laughs) and creates another ticking moment because you know that this spell won't hold it forever. So we know that it's going to escape and we're going to get the, the consequences of changing time. And the, um, the, we get to hear an explanation of the time worms process. It's going to eat the old ones. You're not Mr. Ostenfeld's neighbor anymore. So you, you get eaten. You're done now. You, you don't exist in this world in the way that you did before. So get ready to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Cause you paradoxed your way out of it, Hilda. <laughs> Good job. You've given, you've done the right thing in a, in, you know, from a certain point of view, I mean, Mr. Ostenfeld is happy. That version of Tilda, she, she's happy, but now you've ruined life for yourself. Like you're going to die a third time. Mm-hmm. And I would have to imagine that somewhere there's another Hilda 
who lives somewhere else? I don't know. Yeah, kind of unclear. There's always questions after a time travel story. Let's enjoy the the Hilda narrative arc of this one. Right, right. I don't. I, yeah, we won't. We won't go into the. It's not a time chart. travel show. It's not worth getting into all the details of how it works. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I know you're right. <laughs> so they they have the idea that they don't that um, we want to stop the time worm and we could let it eat original Hilda and original Tildy and have Mr. Ostenfeld and Tildy who are now happy go on with their lives. But they decide that they don't want it to work like that. You know, we had a life together. We lived it. It can't be erased. So they make the decision to destroy the original magazine <laughs> that Tildy's been holding on to for 50 years. Um, and they allow themselves to be eaten by the time worm in a really, like... Like it is quick and it is shocking. It's a shocking moment to see happy people kissing each other and then like being eaten by the time worm is disturbing mm-hmm. in a good Hilda way. Yeah. It's like not too in your face that as a, a kid kind of enjoying the show and watching it, you're not thinking too hard about what that means. And as an adult, you can go like, there's a deeper level of emotion to what's happening here. <laughs> Which I, I do so enjoy that. I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. They, in a show that is arguably for a younger audience, here is a story about two, you know, sick, older, late 60s, early 70s-year-old folks who see a moment that they would love to have changed but didn't. I mean, Tildy took action. And in some sense, he's taking action to relive that disappointment and but not do anything about it. And that's that's the main story that we're following. It's a it's a lo- unrequited love story of the one that got away. And where do we normally get to see you know, 70-year-old folks in a children's show, like, as characters like this. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's grounded in a different way, and it's sorrowful in a different way. And somehow it retains its floating Hilda quality, and I think it's because of a giant worm that's eating things, probably. But um, <laughs> I don't know, what, what else keeps it that way um for you i think all the all the humans in the world of hilda are sympathetic to some degree because you understand their motivations and what they're doing they're not like simpson style archetypes which works for that show but you wouldn't have kooky old people for the sake of kooky old people in hilda Mm. they're all people and then part of the story of this couple that keeps it grounded is that they are much older than Hilda. Hmm. That is interesting. It's not, yeah, he's, he's not just neighbor. He, he has a heart mm-hmm. and we've just, we live with him for a while um, in that we get to see him have emotions and reactions and become sympathetic, as you said. Hmm. Like, though I haven't finished the season yet, like even the the season's villain of Eric Alberg, who's not even in this episode, he's sympathetic because you understand his point of view and what he's trying to do and where he's coming from, even though what he ultimately wants is like so fundamentally wrong and bad it's not like sympathetic like like a Batman villain like Mr. Freeze like I'm a super powered villain and I can do this but I have this tragic backstory which is good I don't super oversimplifying it I love 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 (laughs) love 
90s Mr. Freeze, don't get me wrong. Um, but the Hilda stories, why everyone's so sympathetic and grounded is because they, it's not trying to explain ultimately something crazy like a supervillain. It's trying to explain just the motives of why they make a choice in this magical world. Mm. That's such a good way of putting it. Because Hilda is all about the choice that you make. Like that's the whole show is based on, you know, choosing the Hilda way or choosing a different way. And it's because Hilda chooses to see the essential importance and good in people and animals and (laughs) every creature that she you follow her on that. And so I suppose in, in some ways, if if an interaction between Hilda and, you know, a dragon monster that lives on the back of a kraken <laughs> allows that dragon monster and the kraken to become sympathetic, why couldn't an interaction between <laughs> Hilda and a 70-year-old man uh, make that 70-year-old <laughs> man be sympathetic? Yeah, this is not a show that's trying to appeal to children by presenting a world like how they see it. It's a show that's appealing to children because it presents the world how it is. Mm. If that makes sense. I think so. I think so. Hmm. So then we end up back. Hilda restores things. Time Worm restores things, and <laughs> Hilda goes home. Tildy and the real Mr. Ostenfeld, um, who doesn't, who didn't know that that was Tildy. Because I think all the Mr. Ostenfelds got eaten, so we're now at a, quote, new Mr. Ostenfeld since he never got the magazine in the first place to start going back in time, right? Mm, right. I think that's where we destroyed are destroyed that. I think <laughs> yeah. so. We'd have to get the Alfred chart um, <laughs> to figure <laughs> that out. I feel, and then um, they meet. Their, they they finally figure out each other's names, and then they move on. And Hilda's like, "Well, why didn't you tell him anything?" She's like, "Oh, that was why. Why mess with the past?" Um, and Alfred has one of the funniest lines, which is like, "That was the longest thirty-five minutes of <laughs> <laughs> my life." Because now they've been restored back to being grounded and only 35 minutes has passed. Hilda's mom comes comes back and Hilda does the thing that the grounding should have done, which is she apologizes to her mom and says, I know you had no choice but to to ground me. And we get to have a, a grounded moment between mother and daughter about what the real emotional story was now that Hilda can see that yes what you do causes a consequence whether you see that consequence or not what you do causes a consequence Mm -hmm. and I think she even although she doesn't quite learn it she's like well it wasn't so bad and then Alfred's like we watched ourselves die (laughs) twice (laughs) like it was it was like Horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Hilda's a child, but Alfer is an adult elf. Uh, so I think that he has a little more perspective. Yeah. Like we're seeing true. Hilda is still like she's learned her lesson, but she still maybe doesn't have that much empathy for things outside of her own narrative, ultimately. <laughs> she she does get tunnel vision. Um, and it does come with some really interesting ramifications at the end of the season, which please hurry on season three of Hilda, please. I, my family is, is, I won't, I think distraught is a strong word, but like my family is concerned. We can't wait Um, two and a half years again. So please help us, help us Hilda. Um, 
Your actions have consequences. <laughs> and You've emotionally destroyed a family in Ohio. <laughs> We're not emotionally destroyed, but we are worried. We are very, very worried and concerned, <laughs> and we have many, many questions. Um, but I, I do believe, I do enjoy like the very Steven Universe vibes of watching yourself die, you know, from like Steven and the Stevens. And so it's, it's like, yes, there's this terrible ramifications of things, but it's also, you're also laughing at it too. So I, I think that's the thing. Like it never lives in the darkness for too long. It lets us like understand, yes, terrible things, but we're also a happier show. We live in a happier world. It's a comedy feel good show. Uh, and that's, it's not a read. It's just a fact. Uh, what your show is, sets the tone of how you tell the story and the tragedy and the tragedies of Hilda are never going to be. I watched Hilda die <laughs> twice. The tragedy is going to be my, my best friend, the deer Fox might leave me to go back to his parents. Uh, like mm. that's the tragedy. It's the emotional character moment, not like the actual <laughs> plot tragedy of a, town possibly getting destroyed by a weather machine yeah it's it's the restoration between a relationship so everything that hilda did restored the relationship and healed the relationship by saying what she should have said between her and her mother and taking action on that well if my mom won't say this then i will (laughs) It's the right time where she actually took the correct action um, in that relationship instead of <laughs> in somebody else's relationship from 50 years prior. <laughs> <laughs> they just danced a few times. I don't remember who I danced with at eighth grade, like middle school dances. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, there's many reasons I don't care now, but you know. I could think of like one or two reasons why it may not be as <laughs> impactful for you at yeah. this time in your maybe, life. Maybe a bad example. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the right person to draw from here for this one. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like, the, she doesn't understand the things on a larger scale than she should. And she wouldn't, which makes sense for her as a character. And they, I, I don't think that they ever lose sight of who Hilda is and what makes Hilda Hilda. And it just, there's never, a, it, it's not like a cheat. Um, I, you don't feel cheated by it. You feel like she's good and pure, but she's not perfect. And um, her flaws are her, the good things about her, you know, the wanting to help blinds her to, you know, actually helping in some ways. Mm-hmm. Cause she could go ask Mr. Ostenfeld what's going on. Do you want help? Yeah. Do you <laughs> want me to help you? Maybe it's not healthy that you have all these magazines that you bought from 50 years ago. <laughs> Look, let's, there's a lot of things that we all collect that maybe aren't healthy, but you know what? They're comforting. It's not hurting anyone. <laughs> it's not hurting anyone. Is there anything else we'd like to say about this this episode that we haven't said? I feel like I feel like I've processed through some things and going <laughs> through this. Um, I love. I love when we do these breakdowns of like finding those points in how the story operates. It just it just helps me think through simple ways to tell big, big moments and just mm-hmm. like simplify and simplify and simplify. Lose a hat. That's it. Yeah. You can decipher it. Like it's just so clever. It's very easy. Simple. So there is one more thing that I want to know from you, which is what is your favorite thing? Or have we already covered like 15 favorite things? Okay, my my absolute favorite thing is because um, like the first time we saw it, it's just that shock of 
well, this is going to be one boring day. And the giant worm starts chasing Hilda, like from outside the window. And you're like, oh, wh- what is this? Because two things, it, it create you've, you've been watching this opening credit sequence and like, what the heck is that? What the heck is that? What the heck is that? What is that? And each episode you're like, oh, that's the heck that was. That's the heck that was. That's, And we're like, it's the worm. Like, what does this worm mean? <laughs> and why are there two Hildas? And... Um, there was just such a delighted laugh that happened in in my household when we first saw that. It was just like, whoa, it's the worm. Um, we, we were just so excited about that, but also laughed really hard that it's going to go there. It's going to be this wild adventure, even though it starts off so small. That's my favorite thing. What about for you? I think my favorite, I have alluded to a bit, it's that Hilda learns a lesson that is very minuscule and like any other child, any other show could probably learn very easily and very quickly or from just being grounded. And Hilda has to learn it through what feels like the biggest adventure she's had to date. (laughs) Which is saying something. Yeah. I messed up time and space and. (laughs) Oops, all time worms. I, I guess actions do have consequences, <laughs> and I should be more mindful of what I choose to act on. Yeah, poor Alfred needs therapy, and she just she's good. <laughs> I guess I'll stick in my room for the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Well, with that, should we discuss homework time? Let's. Or next time, uh, please watch Raya and the Last Dragon. Probably on Disney Plus is where you'll watch it, but uh, maybe in theaters if you're lucky and responsible. Um, our next episode will be about this new Disney animated movie. And as usual, our first little bit will be uh, selling points to get you to go watch it if you haven't seen it already. And we'll give you a spoiler warning. But you can listen to our next full episode if you've seen the whole movie by then. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. If you have thoughts about Hilda, about time paradoxes, um, telling us who should be grounded and why, you can let us know on Twitter, at WG Animated, uh, and you can find all of our show notes and links to various things on our Podbean account, writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And just one other mystery, just in Hilda season two. That's her dad, right? In the tower. That's her dad. That's Hilda's dad, right? With the guy with the beard and the little bit of blue on his sides. That has to be her dad, right? Oh, Tell me if I'm right, Hilda creators. I thought that'd be revealed by the end of the season. Darn it. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs>